Well, not too long ago, well, I, it was actually a little bit, bit ago, I was, uh, I was complaining to the Lord. I'm sure none of you ever do that, but I was complaining. And uh, in the process of complaining to the Lord, he stopped me. And he said, I mean, all this occurs, you know, just in a split second, but it's in my spirit. He said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I didn't want to say complaining to God. You know, I didn't want to tell him, well, I'm complaining. I said, I said, well, I'm just letting you know how I feel. And I knew as soon as, as soon as I said it, I thought that was a dumb thing to say. Because it's like the Lord said, well, is that doing you any good? Because, you know, in modern psychology, they tell you you've got to have, you need to have scream sessions and you need to be sure you tell how you feel and you need to do all those things. And the Lord said, is that where your answer is? And, of course, I mean, I know the answer to that question. I said, no, sir, it's not. That's not where my answer is. And the Lord immediately reminded me of this passage of Scripture. This is in Matthew 21:16, and, and Jesus is speaking, and he says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. The word perfected comes from the, the Greek word is, is katartizo, which uh, it, it means to come down with force and make perfect. Okay, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast come, it, when you, it comes down with force and it perfects praise. Now, I know enough to know that when Jesus said that, that he was actually quoting from Psalm 8. Okay, here's what Psalm 8 says. It says, out of the mouth, 8-2, it says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast, hast thou ordained strength. Now you think, well, wait a minute. Ordained strength is perfect praise, or perfect praise is ordained strength. There is supernatural power in praise. Supernatural power in praise. Okay, he said, this, the psalmist said, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Now, the word that strikes me always when I read that psalm is the word still, because the word still, literally, the, the, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. Shabbat is the root word for Sabbath. That's an interesting thought here, that thou mightest still the enemy. Give the enemy a Sabbath. Give the enemy a day off. Let the enemy rest today. You want the enemy to take the day off? Praise is the answer. Praise is the answer. Not complaining to God about my problem, but expressing to God my praise. Because when I begin to praise him, that gives the devil the day off. Because I'm going to tell you something, there is supernatural power in our praise. The reason I know that is because one day, I've told you this before, one day as I was praying, the Lord simply said to me, he said, Judah beget Perez. And I'm like, 
That's right, God. That's what it says in in Matthew. Judah beget Perez. And I'm thinking, that's right. That's exactly right, Lord. And and, and so I just went on with my day. And later I was praying that day. And the Lord said, or doing some more prayer later in the day. And the Lord said, Judah beget Perez. And I'm like, I I know. I know the story. I mean, it was a, it was a, a whole convoluted deal, and 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 Perez was was Tamar's uh, son, as well as Judah, and Tamar was his daughter-in-law, and all this stuff. And the Lord said, Judah beget Perez. He said it about three times in this time zone. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I need to figure out what he's telling me. So I looked at some words in the Hebrew language. The word Judah, you know what it means? It means praise. The word Perez, you know what that means? Breakthrough. He said, praise begets breakthrough. That's why the psalmist said that there's supernatural power in our praise. Out of the mouth, even babes and sucklings can do this. They can praise. They can begin to give thanks. They can begin to worship God. And it gives the devil a day off. And it gives us the breakthrough that we need. See, we have, sometimes we are so messed up because we're thinking that if we just tell God the problem enough times that he'll do something about it. Can you find me one example in the Bible where God moved according to somebody's need? It's not in there. God moves according to people's faith. God's dimension is based on our belief in what he says. When we just... Can I just give you the two biggest faith words in all the Bible? Thank you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for, for, for your goodness in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, we, we on Good Friday had the opportunity to go to a, a demonstration of the, of the Stations of the Cross. And uh, it was in a, in a church sanctuary, and, and it was really awesome the way they did it. But in the background was playing uh, the movie, um, The Passion of the Christ. And Jesus was getting beat, carrying the cross, and he was getting beat. And I, I looked at that after we finished all the stations. I'm looking at it. I mean, I was already moved anyway just because of, the, of going through the stations of the cross. And I saw him getting beat, got knocked down, getting kicked while he was down. And I remember watching that movie the first time, and I remember thinking, just go ahead and die. But you know what? It took faith for Jesus to stay alive until he got to the cross. The Bible says he was beaten beyond the recognition as a human being. And instead of complaining to God, by faith... He went to the cross. By faith, he became sin for the entire human race. He had to have faith to die. He had to have faith because he, there was nothing in him that could die until he became sin for the whole world. But he did it by faith, showing us that our life by faith is going to bring a breakthrough that we've never imagined so far. We've got to believe what he said. We've got to get real about it instead of instead of co- confessing to God our problems. I had to figure out that I needed to confess to God his answer. His answer is you're the one who can do it, God. And I give you thanks.
Here's what you said in your word. Here's the problem. Too many Christians are under all the time. Under. You know, have you ever asked a Christian that's going through a hard time, how you doing? Oh, pretty good under the circumstances. I always respond the same way when somebody says that to me. I always say, what are you doing under there? (laughs) Oh, uh, under the circumstances. Christians, many times, and you may be here, and I'm not going to, I don't want to make fun of you here, but Christians are under pressure, under stress, under burdens that they don't even need to carry that they're not even equipped to carry because only one set of shoulders can carry them. But under the burden of whatever it may be, under the weather, under the attack of the enemy, oh, we're just under the attack. Under attack. Well, does that is that where the Bible says you're supposed to be? Remember I told you, Tammy said that little boy in the plane, where are you supposed to be? <laughs> Where are you supposed to be? Under something? Well, here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28. This is part. This is this is being blessed as we hearken to the voice of the Lord. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. We're not supposed to be under anything. We're not supposed to be under anything. As we hearken unto his word, we're above and we're not under. God wants his covenant partners to be over in life. Not under the burden of it. Not, not, listen, it's okay. It's okay to be, uh, be affected by things around us, but we've got to know how to take it to the one who can handle it. Listen to this. I want you to listen to the word over as I read these verses of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 1. This is, how, this is how man is supposed to be. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle. I love this next part. And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God created man to be over. He did not create, create us to be under. We should never be under the circumstance. We should never be under attack. We need to be over attack. We need to be, listen, we need to be on the offensive rather than the defensive. We're the ones who have authority in the earth. We're the ones who are supposed to be, I'm starting on a kind of a high note here. We need to be the ones who, who, who are over. God created us to be over all. Listen to this. This is Psalm 8. We read verse 2 a few minutes ago. This is verse 4. But I'm going to read out the Young's literal translation because when the King James writers translated from the Hebrew language, they, they didn't have the, enough courage to translate the way Young shows us. Dr. Young wrote the Young's Concordance of the Bible. Young's and Strong's are the two most renowned concordance lexicons out there. Here's how Dr. Young 
translated this. It says, What is man that thou rememberest him? Now this is the angels talking. God is creating this man, and the angels are like, What is man? Because you remember God came down and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The scripture says, or the, or the, the, the Hebrew scholars say, that it literally says that God breathed into man's nostrils and he became another speaking spirit just like God. God apparently God got face to face with Adam. Eyes to eyes, nose to nose, and breathed into him. And man became a living spirit. And the angels are like, what is man? That is something we've never seen God do. What is that? It says, or the son of man that you inspect him and cause him, listen to this, and causes him to lack a little Godhead. What is this man that you make him lack just a little bit of the Godhead? See, the King James Bible says, what that, 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 uh, uh, that it says, that you made him a little lower than the angels. But the word angels is the, is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the Godhead, God's. Here's what he's saying. He said, what is this man? You made him just a little bit lower than God. Can I tell you tonight, you're not lower than the angels. The Bible says you'll judge angels. You're not lower than them. There's God and then there's man. And it says, God made man just a little lower than the Godhead with honor and majesty compasses him. Now listen to this. And dost cause him to rule over the works of thy hands. And thou hast placed, and all thou hast placed under his feet. You're not under. You're over. We need to recognize who we are and what God has done. God said that everything is under us. Isn't that good news? I mean, the devil's been lying to you your whole life and been telling you you are under it. You're under attack. No, no, I'm over attack. You're under the circumstance. No, no, I'm over the circumstance. I'm not under the weather. I'm over the weather. You see, the Bible says that God caused us to rule over the works of his hands. That's why Isaiah said, God said, ask of me concerning the works of my hands. Ask of me the, the, ask of me, uh, the work concerning my sons. Command ye me the works of my hands. Because we are over. We're not under. The devil has been lying to people, been telling us we're under. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1. This I got this on the airplane the other day, just so you all know. I was, I was so excited about it that I just had to share it tonight. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 1. That he, Paul is praying for, 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 for the church. He says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is a great prayer, and I just, just choose to receive it tonight. That the eyes of your understanding... Being enlightened. We just need to have our spiritual eyes open tonight. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. 
and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. The Bible just right there said that the exceeding greatness of God's power, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is working to, toward me. It's hard to be under when the power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in me. How can I be under? It says, talking about Jesus, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That said, Jesus is above everything and everything is under his feet. And he's given, made Jesus the head of all things over all things to the church which is his body. He's the head. Everything is under his feet. If I'm in the body of Christ and if I am a toenail on the little toe of the right foot, everything is under me. Not over me. I'm not under the circumstance. It says he's the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We are not under. We're over. We were created in Christ. We're his body. He is over everything. I mean, even if we're just the foot, we're over everything. We're over all that the devil could ever hope to do. We are over everything. We need to choose to never take the devil at his word. He's a liar. And he's been lying to Christians for so long, telling us how unworthy we are. Oh, you're not worthy. You, you, you'll never get healed. You can't get healed. I mean, you've tried for so long and your faith doesn't work, so just forget it. It's time for us just to say, shut up in Jesus' name. I am over you. You are under me, and I choose to believe what he said. We are over and not under. We are over. And we need to get that in our hearts, get that in our heads, that we're not under. We are over. We are over. And I think we just need to believe that because that's the way we were created. When you were created in Christ, you are over. It's time for us to realize that there's a real war out here to fight, a real fight to fight, but it's not with flesh and blood. It's for us to understand the vantage point from which we fight a fight. Do you realize that when you are on the above, you have the whole vantage point? I mean, everybody, if you talk to any military strategist, he's going to tell you the place to be is high ground. Because the enemy, they, if they're coming up at you, you can shoot right. If, you, if, you're, if you're up high, your bullets travel further if you're shooting down. I mean, that's just a fact. Because, because gravity is helping you. I mean, if you're shooting arrows, they go further if you're shooting down. I remember one time I was playing golf, and we were, I was up on this tee box, and I mean, the, the, tee, the, the, the green was way down. You hit over this cliff and went way down. Man, I hit that ball a long way. Because it went down a long way. That would be cloud fall. Uh, it, was, it was actually an angel fire. <laughs> I mean, it went way down. And I'm not a very good golfer, but I hit that ball a long way. Well, 
If you're at the top, you have the advantage in every battle you fight. You can see them. They can't see you. You can watch where they're moving. They can't watch what you're doing. The devil has lied to us and told us that he's the one in charge. After all, he's the God of this world. He's not the God of me. He may be the God of this world, but he's not my God because my God created me and I am over. I am in Christ and everything is under his feet. See, we talk about healing. We need to get something really going in our, in our, in our hearts tonight. We're not, gonna, we're not begging God for anything. We're not begging the devil to leave. You know what? He, you can beg him all you want to, but he'll say, okay, I'll go. But he's a liar. The only thing he understands is get out in Jesus' name. And you can't be nice. You can't be sweet to him. But you've got to know who you are. Yeah, but if I talk bad to the devil, he, he might get mad at me. Can I tell you something? The scripture says he's full of wrath. You can't get more full than full. He's already mad at you. He already hates you. He hates you because every time he sees you, it reminds him of one Jesus of Nazareth who's seated at the right hand of the Father. It reminds him that you're in him and that you have access to God the Father and the devil hates the Father, hates the Son, and he hates you. So you know what? He might as well just be rebuked by you just like he was by Jesus. The smallest child with faith in God's word can demand that the devil leave and he has to leave. If we submit to God, we resist the devil, he has to flee. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. We know that. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I'm going to tell you something. We don't have to get afraid when we start fighting them. We don't have to hunker down. We speak in Jesus' name. You don't have to yell at them. Because, I mean, I've been there. I command you, come out in Jesus' name. No, no, you don't have to do that. The name of Jesus works when you just speak it. When you sing it. You don't have to get all emotionally charged to do that. We, we wrestle with spiritual things and we fight them in spiritual arenas. We understand who we are in Christ, recognizing the authority that we have. When we're talking about healing, we're not begging God to heal us. We're not having to, oh, Jesus, you should. No, no, you don't have to do that. We simply believe what he said. Now, if that helps you believe him, that's cool with me. I, I don't mind that. But, you know, I remember we went someplace one time and they decided we had to have warfare tongues. Whatever the heck that was. It just seemed like warfare tongues was praying louder and faster <laughs> in tongues. Well, that's good. But I'm going to tell you something. Authority is not built. They pray. Now, you build up your most holy faith as you pray in the Spirit. I get that one. And that's why you need to be praying in the Spirit. But you have authority because you're in Christ. That's who you are. You are above and not beneath. I love it. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I mean, you can, 
if you want to get on your knees to, to fight the devil, that's cool with me because he's under you anyway. Just, you know, don't, Mr. Devil, I, don't look up there. He's down there. You're under my feet. You're beneath. I'm above. You obey me. I don't obey you. My body belongs to the Father because the Scripture says that I've been that, that that I was purchased. My body and my spirit were purchased by the blood of Jesus. And so I'm going to tell you right now, you and your stuff has to go. I'm above and I'm not beneath. See, we got to fight a way that's real, not just something we've learned from religion or learned from the world. So, have you ever watched Christians fight the devil? It's comical sometimes. <laughs> I mean, man, they'll march in circles and they'll scream and they'll they'll point their fingers and and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, except that's not what the devil's afraid of. They overcame him how by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. I mean, they I don't see the angels in heaven going, "We command you." They're just the blood of the lamb. I remember the first time. I don't know why I'm even telling you this. The first time, one of the first times I cast a demon out of somebody. I mean, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I thought I knew everything. And I did at that time. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't go ahead and solve all the world's problems because I knew everything. Anyway, so we're casting this demon out of this guy. And, and so uh, the demon said, I'm not coming out. I don't have to come out. <laughs> I mean, it was a lady, a young lady, and she's talking like a grown man. She goes, I don't have to come out. And we're like, oh, yeah, you do. You've got to come out. And so he, he, and it was, we were having a hard time getting him out. Well, and so we said, okay, let's just take communion. So we didn't have any crackers, and we didn't have any juice, so we got some water, and we got a cookie, I think. So we're taking communion, and he still wasn't coming out. All of a sudden, I don't know what came over me. I said, okay, I just want you to know something. This, I set my finger in the water, and I said, this is the blood of Jesus Christ. And I touched that lady, and that thing came out screaming and was gone immediately because of the blood of Jesus. I learned a lesson that night. I don't have to play with them. They're not pets. I can get rid of them. You see, that's what we have to understand. We're not beneath them. They don't tell us what to do. I mean, they'll tell you, have you buy them hamburgers if you're not careful. You just need to get them out of your body and your life. This isn't a message about getting rid of demons. Because unless you have one, we can work on it. <laughs> you can't get a demon. You can't get a demon out. You can't win over the devil emotionally. Emotion is going to drive the, the devil away from your body physically. It's not going to drive the devil out of your house. It's, emotion isn't, isn't going to be the answer. Faith in what God said is the answer. Believing him. Intellectualism is not the way to fight the devil. I don't care how smart you are. He's smarter than you. Except he doesn't know Jesus. And he rebelled against the Father. But he's been around for thousands of years. He's seen it all. So we have to know how to fight a fight of faith in the spirit realm. Timothy said, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, he said, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. Then he gives him a, a, a kind of a clue how to fight it. 
and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Talking about agreement with God. And stay with that. See, what we fight against what we can't see with weapons we can't see, we've got to exercise faith in what God said if we're to have the victory that he's provided. We've got to know, what did God say? What did, what did he tell us to do? The scripture says, whatsoever is, I'm going to read the King James, I'm going to explain it to you. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. It literally says, for whoever is born of God has the ability to overcome the world. It says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. As we believe what God says, we can overcome what, what, whatever is going on. When we think of healing, we think of deliverance, we think of all those things, we often think, well, I tried to believe for that, and, my, and, and faith didn't work. Is that possible that faith can't work? Well, we, you know, I know somebody who tried to believe, and, and, and it just didn't work. I mean, they had like a faith failure. Is there any such thing as a faith failure? Can, can that even be? Can, can God fail? No. No, he can't fail. I mean, we, we know that. Can his word fail? No, it can't fail. God's word cannot fail. It won't happen. So faith in his word will never fail. The problem is not with faith, but this is what I've discovered in my life. It's with my understanding and operation. Somehow there's something that I'm not getting, perhaps. Now, here, and you get to this part, it's like, well, do I need to beat myself over the head? No, 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 no. We just need to keep pursuing God and find it. I mean, over the years, people have misused what they call faith. And I mean, they've, they've taught it with different ways. And, and it, it, what happens is it makes, well, it didn't seem to work. And it makes Christians stay away from it. Because I tried to believe it didn't work and I just don't, I don't know. Listen, there's no, we need to understand. There are abuses with it. The problem with, with, with faith is that people have taught it as a way to get whatever I want. Instead of, Instead of failing to understand the purpose of faith is to get whatever God wants. What does God want to, to do through me, to do to me? That's the purpose of faith. I've got to understand, God wants me healed. We've been looking at scriptures for several weeks and we found out that it is the will of God to heal just as much as it's the will of God to forgive. I've got to know that. That's his will for my life. He wants to meet the needs of his covenant partners. He wants to say, yeah, I just don't think that, that Christians need to have a bunch of stuff. Can I just tell you something? God doesn't care how much you have as long as you keep him number one in your life. He wants you to have all you can handle. But just keep him number one. God wants us to operate in authority over the curse of the world. God wants victory in our lives. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. According to Galatians 3, 13 and 14, we've been redeemed. The curse of the law was sickness and disease. The curse of the law was defeat at the hands of the enemy. The curse of the law was lack. We've been redeemed from all of those things. God wants us to work through the process of faith. He is not moved by need. He's moved by faith. If he's moved by need, he'd only be moving in third world countries. Because they have need, more need than anybody else. All right? We, we have to understand the purpose of... of let me just go to... I'm going to go to a scripture. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 for just a moment. I want you to see something. And then I didn't realize what time it is already. But we'll, let me just do this part. 
And you know Hebrews chapter 11. This is, this is the, the, the hall of faith. This is the great chapter about faith. Verse 1 begins, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, we understand. Faith creates what we're hoping for. Faith is the proof of what we can't see. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3 has been mis misunderstood for a long time. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. For, for years, this is how I read this. I read it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The elders obtained a good report. And now we say the world was created. And now we go back to the elders. And that's kind of what it, what it, what it sounds like you're talking about. That's not what it's talking about. Faith is what's hoped for. The elders gained a good report, and it's going to list these elders in a moment. It says, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, I've taught this before, but I just need to teach it tonight. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed. The word worlds here in the Greek literally means ages. We actually get the English word eons from this word. It says, by, through faith we understand ages were framed. Ages were framed. Not the world, the planet. It's not talking about the planet. It's talking about how these elders obtained a good report. It's talking about what they did. By faith, ages were framed. The word framed literally means altered. By faith, we understand ages were altered by the word of God. So that things which were made, were, which are seen, were made of things which do not appear. The purpose of faith is to alter the age. That's the purpose of faith. That's how these people gained these great reports in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. They got a word from God. They got the word from God. And they believed what God said. And when they believed what God said, they altered their age. They altered the time that they lived in. They changed it. by. I mean, thank goodness Noah altered history by believing God. Because we wouldn't be here tonight. Thank goodness those men and women of the Old Testament altered their generations by believing God. Thank goodness Abraham believed God. Thank goodness, thank goodness that in, in history people altered the generation that they live by faith. The purpose of our faith is to alter our generation. It is to alter, it's to alter, the devil may be trying to kill me with the disease. Faith alters the age that I live in. It changes it when I learn to believe what God wants. See, faith, is. It, God wants us to believe him. God wants us to be people who alter what's around us. See, it's the word of God that's activated when we believe it. And we believe it. The activation process produces. See, the Word has the power to produce whatever's in it. And we believe it. It's activated. See, God is not my heavenly butler. He is God. I'm His Son. And when God speaks, I choose to believe. I'm above and not beneath. I speak and I decree. Because the Bible says we are the kings of, of, of the King. He's the king, but we're the, he's the king of the kings. We're the kings he's the king of. He's the Lord of lords, and we're the lords he's, he's, he's in charge of. We as kings, we decree the word. That's how kings do it. They say, be it. Change it. 
do this. That's what we do. That's how faith operates. All right? The Bible talks about that we live by faith. The just live by faith. The Bible teaches we walk by faith. I'm not talking about some silly nonsense about trying to gimmick the word into making God selfishly, making me selfishly demand of God to do what I want him to do. Faith demands the will of God be done. And if God's will is healing, when Jesus said, which is easier? To heal him or to forgive him? That's the will of God. And so what I want to understand is I live by faith. I walk by faith. We please God by faith, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. That ingredient has to be in everything that we do. Whatever is not of faith is sin. I mean, we need to know when Jesus said, if we can believe, all things are possible to those that believe. Not to get my selfish desire accomplished, but to get God's plan accomplished. And God's plan is for us to live long and to live strong. God's plan is for us to have the money to support the gospel all over the world. God's plan is for us to have happy, healthy relationships. That's the plan of God. But I'm above and I'm not beneath. We need to recognize tonight that's the plan that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you that the purpose of faith is to alter this age that we live in. Lord, there are people out there tonight that have a whole different agenda and they want to alter the, this, this age for evil. We choose and we believe, God, by faith, we can see your hand and your plan. There's an enemy out there who has a plan for our lives, for, for sickness, for disease, for poverty, for despair, for depression. We declare there's a different plan according to your word and if we can find the word, we can alter all that's going on in us and around us. Father, we thank you that you created us to be over and not under. And we declare tonight, we are over in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.